Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, everyone. My name is Daniel Funderburg. I'm glad to be joining you here from your living room or wherever you are this morning. Uh, I've been attending OCC for about five years now. My wife and I have two small children, and I'm in the final year of a uh, five-year training program called Antioch Project. Uh, for those who really have a sense of calling toward a full-time ministry, I also serve as the director of another training program called uh, North Star. It's a leadership training program. It's two years. It's not for those who feel called to full-time ministry, uh, but it's for those who really want to lead in, in church life. And so there's a lot of really great things about uh, this North Star training program. And here are a few parts of the training program that we emphasize for leaders. Uh, we emphasize just the development of tools and in order to help further Orange Crest Community Church mission and culture, um, also in growing in leadership skills. And finally, just uh, practical opportunities to lead in real life experiences. We have 21 trainees who are in the, the pressures of the training program right now, and they'll be graduating in May. So that's exciting. Um, you're going to hear from a few of their stories and how God has used pressure in their life later in the message. But before we dive into the message, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that this time would be a time of encouragement, a time where people hear from you, hear from your word. God, I pray that you'd give me the right words to say, and that as we, as we dive into your word, that each of us would grow a deeper understanding of who you are, so that we, we can walk with you more fully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'm excited to share with you the third part in our series, Happily Never After. In this series, we're looking at normal responses when life doesn't really go as planned. So speaking of life not going as planned, one day while I was preparing for this sermon, I realized that I, I really needed to be out in, in nature, I needed to get outside of the coffee shop I was at and just clear my head, be out in nature and think through what it was that I wanted to say. And so if you were here maybe a few weeks ago, Pastor Scott actually recommended getting out into nature and just listening to some worship songs and just trying to clear your head and, and hear from the Lord. So I took his advice. I got out there. I was just went on a hike. It was a nice, peaceful day, sunny, and the birds were singing. You know, the, the bees were humming all around. And as I was just sitting there sort of over, overlooking Riverside, I heard this loud crash. And I looked way down into the parking lot, and I noticed a car quickly speed off, and it almost actually hit my car. And I thought, you know, I should probably get in the habit of just, like, maybe snapping some pictures of people's license plates just in case uh, there's a hit-and-run type thing. So, anyways, I didn't think that much more about it. Um, and then a few minutes later, I decided to head back down the mountain and got it to the parking lot and... All of a sudden, I looked at my car, and I realized something. Something wasn't right with my car. Something wasn't right with my window. You know those moments when your eyes see something, and your brain just takes a couple minutes to, to catch up? That was one of these moments. My window had been smashed, and my backpack was stolen. 
my backpack, a jacket, and a lunchbox. I don't know who steals the lunchbox, but they took my lunchbox. And so I had actually witnessed a part of my own car being broken into, and I wasn't able to totally see it because a tree was blocking the view. But anyways, my computer that had five years worth of Antioch homework and seminary papers and some other important documents was gone. Fortunately, by God's grace, I had actually backed up all of my data the day before on an external hard drive, which is another story I can tell you about another time. Uh, so by God's kindness, I was able to save all my data. But life doesn't always go as planned, right? There's not always a happy ending. You're not always able to defeat the villain and ride off into the sunset listening to some epic music playing in the background. Sometimes there's setbacks, hardships, challenges. These things just tend to happen. And so we all go through these types of seasons, and they can be really squeezing in our lives. You may not be in one of those types of situations right now, uh, but maybe you just came out of one, or hopefully not, but you might be heading into a, a difficult season. Pressure just has a way of finding itself into getting into our lives. So what kind of pressure um, are we talking about? So here, here are just a few examples. Gas prices. Every day I look at the price of gas, and I just, it's gone up every single time. And this adds a lot of pressure, I know, to a lot of people. It, it makes me rethink if I want to drive maybe across town, or maybe I just need to spend money, less money on other things so I can afford a gallon of gas. Another one is miscommunication. When we have a lot of miscommunication going on in our relationships, it, it can be a source of, of pressure and stress, whether, whether it's our, um, with our spouse or it's with a coworker or a roommate, or maybe our boss, these things can really add stress to our lives. How about this one? Screaming children. Uh, I know kids add, add a lot of pressure, in, whether they're upset about something because they're not sleeping, or they're not feeling well, or they just need something. Kids are wonderful. I have two of them, and I love them, but they can add some stress to life. Here's another one. Technology. COVID has clearly changed the rules when it comes to how we relate to technology in our work and in school, um, Zoom calls, software updates, the internet outage, websites being down for maintenance issues, all of that can really add a lot of stress and be a big time waster for our lives. And here's one final one, maybe a, a new job or perhaps a layoff. So I'm not sure in this image if the lady is upset because she's getting laid off from her job or if she... It's her first day on the job, and she's actually regretting taking the job to begin with. Either way, then when things change, it, it adds up, and it adds a lot of pressure to our lives. But here's one thing that we really want to remember. Pressure is a tool. It can be used to either launch us into the future, into a future lives, or it can actually crush us. But rather than taking my word for it, I thought it would be fun to let the guys from Backyard Science show us how pressure works. Hey guys, I'm Beth, this is Ben. Today we're in our awesome treehouse. And welcome to Backyard Science. So guys, you probably already know what the classic Coke and Mentos is. Well, here it is. You drop this Mento into the Coke, and it creates this nice little fuzzy reaction, right? But as we do on Backyard Science, we take everything to the extremes. We're going to be making a Coke and Mentos rocket. All right, we got our Coke, Sam's Coke, our Mentos, and our yummy Cheetos. We don't need Cheetos. Okay. All right, let's go. 
basically how this works is we take a two liter Diet Coke, as you see here, carefully unscrew the lid so it doesn't like erupt or anything, and you take um, these three Mentos and put it on some scotch tape. About this and long. And you're gonna fold, fold it, it over in half and make like a taco form. And then you put it inside of there like that. And then once this is in, you have to shake it up shake real it. well. Ready? Real well. Good. Right there. This is rock solid. Whoa! Oh my gosh, that is. Okay. okay. Now yeah, it's that. time for the fun part. Okay, guys, we got our little packet in here. It's all screwed on. It's ready to go. We're gonna shake up this bottle and throw it on the ground and watch this rocket go. Nice moves. So don't try this at home without adult supervision, kids. But you get the idea. Pressure can be used to catapult things forward. And so when pressure hits, how do you respond? I know for me, the things I want to do are I, want, I just want it to go away. I just want the pressure to go away, whatever I have to do to get rid of it. Or I just want to bury my head in the sand and hope that life will somehow magically be better and my problems will go away. It's very easy and natural response for a lot of us as we find ourselves dealing with the pressures of life is, is one for, to turn to self-care, whether it's Netflix or shopping or some other form of entertainment. Another way we deal with stress is just by growing cynical. Well, this kind of thing always tends to happen to me. Or we just hunker down, like I said, and hope that the stress just goes away. But it's very easy for us to want to just find a way to squeeze out from underneath the pressure that we're going through rather than to turn to God and ask him for help. Through difficulties, however, we can actually grow a lot stronger as we walk through seasons that are, that are causing a lot of pressure in our lives. So if you've been tracking with us during this series, then you know that um, we've looked at several churches in the first century who Jesus addressed for either good or bad things that they were doing. So this morning we're going to take a look at two more churches in the book of Revelations that Jesus spoke to. If Jesus were perhaps grading their efforts like an exam, a lot of the churches he would have actually given a failing grade, maybe a C or a D or even an F. But the two churches that we are looking at this morning, Jesus actually gave a positive grade to, maybe even an A+. It's not because they were hugely influential or because they were well-known or they had a famous preacher, but rather they both walked through some immense, difficult, pressure seasons and both of these churches handled it really well. So the first church that I want to look at is the church in Smyrna. Now, just to give you a little context, Smyrna was a well, very wealthy city. It was located in modern-day Turkey. Here's actually a picture of all seven churches found in the book of Revelations. And uh, you can see Smyrna is one of those that's kind of near the, near, the, near the seaside. Smyrna got its name from its most valuable commodity, which was perfume. And it was a type of perfume that was actually used for the embalming process for the dead. 
And so in Revelations, it says to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you're going to suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So just to give you a little bit more historical context, Smyrna was actually completely destroyed several hundred years before this letter was written. But around the first century, it was completely restored and became one of the wealthiest cities in the Roman Empire. And part of the reason for this uh, restoration was due to the fact that the Roman Empire actually gave them exclusive rights to sell and to trade this expensive embalming perfume. And so what that did is it brought a lot of wealth to, uh, to the entire people of that region. And so Jesus picks, picks up on this theme, actually, of death or destruction and resurrection in this passage. Hey, just as your city was dead and now has been revived, Jesus also knows what it feels like. And in a sense, as the people of Smyrna chose to endure the persecution and and the feelings of death, and even some of them might actually die, Jesus was promising in that time that they would experience a resurrection as well. Now, the reason that this church was facing just such intense pressure to deny their faith was because the Roman religion required that the worship of Caesar and other gods to take prominence over the Christian God. And so Christians faced tremendous persecution from the government in order to conform, or they had to face serious penalties. Also, the Jewish people, even though they were exempt from having to worship Caesar because of some political reasons, uh, because the Christians were worshiping Jesus, the Jews were kicking the Christians out of the synagogue. And so this just caused them to feel marginalized and ostracized from society. Jesus is telling the church in Smyrna that they will experience persecution and hardship, both culturally and politically. And so while the city was experiencing an economic boom and prosperity, Christians were marginalized because of their faith, and they were feeling left behind in society. And yet Jesus tells them not to be afraid. And in fact, he he uses a word, uh, persecution or tribulation, and that word really means to to feel weighed down or heavily burdened. So hard times can easily create a sense of of weightiness or heaviness. Imagine yourself in their shoes, pushed to to the margins of society and unable to advance and maybe even shunned by the people and by the Jewish community. And this is where you would really need to have some perspective when life is, is heavy and we just feel like uh, there's not a lot we can do, that's the exact moment where we need to turn and to see things from God's point of view. Remember, pressure is a tool, and it can help us grow or it can crush us. Jesus is saying, I know it's hard for you, but in the end, when it's all over, there's going to be great reward if you hang in there and you endure. This is why he is basically saying that they're rich. From God's point of view, your faith is developing strong, and that faith is worth a lot more than a few dollars in a few years of life. So I don't know if you've ever walked through a really hard season, a season that you just wanted to get out from underneath that pressure. Um, but then when that season was over, did you just completely forget about it or uh, just feel a lot better as a result? Jesus tells his disciples, actually right before he dies, he says, yes, 
you guys are going to walk through a really painful experience. And he foretells his own crucifixion. And then he says, uh, but it's going to, actually you're going to have joy as a, afterwards. And he gives this example of, of childbirth. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has, has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. That is, the child is born into the world. Now, this is certainly not the same thing, but for a long time, I really enjoyed uh, long-distance running. And so I was training for maybe a half marathon and maybe eventually doing a a full marathon. Um, But I would get into my runs and be about four, five, six miles in, and all of a sudden I'm not feeling great. I'm getting maybe a... um, a leg cramp or I'm getting um, maybe a headache or something, feeling dehydrated. And as I pushed through and maybe got my second wind and finished the race that I was going through, after about 30 minutes, I'm like, whew, that wasn't so bad. I could probably just do that again. And so I actually forget about all the hardship that I had just went through. And so maybe that analogy makes sense. Maybe you're completely lost on what I just said. But the point Jesus is trying to make here is this. Don't be afraid of what's about to happen to you. You're going to walk through a period that's hard, but don't give up. Don't allow the pressure to to cause you to quit or to squeeze you out. And so really our first point this morning is don't be afraid of hardship. So there are two things that we can focus on when um, problems are coming our way. We can focus on intimidation or we can focus on preparation. So you can use all of your energy to stewing and worrying about something that's going to be causing you anxiety or hardship. And so Jesus isn't telling the church at Smyrna that things are about to get hard in order for them to be afraid. He's actually telling them these things so they can begin to prepare themselves uh, for this season of testing. And we can do the same thing. As we walk through seasons that are hard, we can ask people for help. We can do, we can do research. We can read. We can study. We can do training. We can do all kinds of things. We can focus on what we have control over We can't do anything about the war going on in Ukraine, can't do anything about the gas prices currently. But there are things that we can use our energy toward. And as we do those things, um, it can really help us rather than to give in to fear. Now, the church at Smyrna was about to head into a season of hardship. The next church that we're going to look at in Philadelphia was already in the middle of a hard season. So according to history, this entire area was completely devastated by a giant earthquake. So in addition to uh, being kicked out of the synagogue and having to deal with political hardship and all kinds of things that the Christians were dealing with, they also had to deal with natural disasters. And so Jesus writes to this church, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true. He holds the key of David. When what he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And so there's a lot to unpack in this passage that we're not going to have time to deal with today. But this church was not a powerhouse church, like maybe a few of the churches that were mentioned previously. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have famous leaders. They actually didn't have a whole lot. 
Jesus points that out. Now, uh, no one thought that they were significant, really, in any way. People actually probably thought they were doing something wrong because of how much hardship they were facing. And yet, Jesus really commends them, nevertheless. They stood up under a pressure that was just really challenging, and God promised to actually spare them from some additional trials because of their faithfulness. They were just normal people. They weren't superheroes. They weren't Avengers. They weren't fighting off aliens. They actually, many of them were killed and persecuted. They were just normal people that chose to trust God in a hard situation. And so, of all the churches that Jesus talks about in this passage, he commends them the most. They get the best grade. Jesus gives this letter to the church in Philadelphia so that they can actually maintain an accurate perspective on their situation. He tells them just to keep going. And so, this idea of perspective is our second point. And so, if we're going to walk through a season of pressure, we really do need to maintain a godly perspective. So, this means that we have to get God's angle on our situation and seek out answers to the Bible and wise counsel. I know for me, when times get hard, it's very easy to get into tunnel vision and to really only focus on the problem, only focus on what's going on. And that's the exact moment when I need to broaden my perspective and see things from a long-term, eternal point of view. Now, you don't have to be a Christian or even believe in God to, to view hardship, actually, as, a, as a, a positive thing or as something that you can get through. Here are a couple of famous people and their quotes about difficulties. Kobe said once, A lot of people say they want to be great, but they're not willing to make the sacrifices in order to achieve greatness. Henry Ford, who invented the Ford motor car, said, Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. And then the uh, famous Albert Einstein said, In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. So here you have some well-known people speaking about challenges and, and how they've overcome difficulties. And these perspectives are great, but they're also very limited. You can sum them up as if you just try hard enough, if you're smart enough, if you just push enough, you can get through any difficulty. But believers, as Christians, we know that uh, we actually don't have enough strength or talent to overcome some of the challenges we face. That's why we need God's help. We need to turn to Him when we're in moments of pressure if we're going to make progress. Now, this verse uh, has been very encouraging to me that I'm about to share as I've walked through difficult seasons. It's found in the book of Hebrews, and it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God disciplines those he loves, and he actually causes a lot of challenges for people that walk with him. But he also promises that when we endure as we push through, that there will come a season of refreshment and fruitfulness. So if you're walking through maybe a hard season right now, or maybe you're about to walk through some challenges, you really want to get good perspective. And if you came here today and you're tired and you want circumstances to change, the bad news is that these circumstances are likely not going to change if God has put you in this situation. But the good news is God is strengthening you through what you're facing. And he's not going to waste the things that you're walking through. Another way that we can handle pressure is to develop supportive community. When Jesus spoke to these two churches, he's not talking to an organization or a building. He's actually talking to a group of people. And so it's actually implied that in this letter, 
uh, that, that the churches of Smyrna and Philadelphia were given, that they would take it and they would read it and they would, they would really continue to encourage each other and band together under this hard season. And what I love about our church, OCC, is the high value that we place on relationships. People really matter here. This is actually how God designed the church to be. And um, even when we walk through hardships and difficulties, uh, it's really great if we have people that can come alongside us, encourage us, and really help us. We actually need people to encourage us, to share their stories of struggle, and pray for us as we walk through those things. So I want to pause here and actually kind of shift to a different direction for a minute. You know, I said trouble seems to find us no matter where we are. We don't need to go looking for it. All of us have different types of pressure that we're under. But sometimes people take on additional pressure than just the normal pressures of life. And that's what a lot of our North Star students who have committed to a two-year training program have done. They've actually walked into a program that intentionally is designed to add pressure to their life. It means a lot of time committed to reading books and reading the entire Bible in in less than a year. Uh, doing lots of homework, attending meetings, opening up their lives to a coach, and on and on. So why would somebody want to take on additional pressure to the, to the normal pressures of life? Well, I can't speak for all the students, but I can tell you that uh, people tend to take on hardship because they see themselves growing significantly through the hardship. They value the growth greater than the cost. Remember, pressure is a tool, and it's used by God to help us grow. So let's hear from a few students. Um, The pressure of North Star has encouraged my husband and I to trust God with our relationships. Um, Multiple meetings landed on birthdays and family gatherings, and we've encouraged, we've been encouraged at how God has sustained our relationships, even when we've said no or will be late to social gatherings. One of the pressures of North Star is that in order to graduate, you actually have to be at the meetings. Sometimes we make exceptions, but it is still a very large commitment. And Valencia here is saying that she really has seen the value of following through on her commitments, even when maybe uh, she's missed a, a family event or there's a, you know some fear of missing out happening. Another student said, when Nikki and I started North Star, we weren't sure if we were going to stay in Riverside. Through the pressures of North Star, we felt God calling us to remain and decided to plant ourselves here in Riverside to remain close to community and train during these prime training years. This is the kind of perspective shift that I'm talking about. Blake is recognizing the value of relationships. And even though, yes, job is important, yes, family is important, so is spiritual health and community. We are people that are really are shaped uh, by other people. And so it takes uh, looking at life from different points of view to see the value of training and preparation. Another student said, the pressure of North Star has been such a blessing to me because it has required me to diligently assess what my capacity is. Trust God, especially when life, work, grad school, North Star responsibilities stack up. I've been challenged to follow through with my commitments, being intentional when I say yes to something and no when I can't, and trust God to grow my capacity and help refresh me. I've also realized that God comes through and helps me when, helps when we uh, give our time to things that grow us closer to himself. We aren't ripped off when we sacrifice time to train because it's an honor to God and we, he will come through and refresh us when we seek him. Here, Becky is recognizing how this program has really stretched her capacity and also helped develop skills in knowing how to prioritize, what to prioritize, and so forth. And so many times people ask a question when they're maybe considering stepping out into something like this program. Is God going to rip me off? Will I do this hard thing? And 
regret it later. And I can only speak for myself, but I, also, I believe that a lot of these students would say the same thing, that the opposite is actually true. Here's another example. North Star has helped us identify opportunities and the importance of taking advantage of those opportunities to lead and influence our three boys. Even the simple act of offering up our home to host events has given us chances to model the importance of values like responsibility and consistency to our boys. What I love about Mike's example is that he really highlights an important value in our church, which is hosting. OCC always needs people that are willing to open up their home to have relationships and to really do events. And it seems like a minor thing, but actually it's pretty important and it's a great way to build community. Um, Another example, I would say for me, the pressure of North Star helped me personally learn to structure my time much better. Having to juggle work and North Star training along with serving at church on the weekends, I do think it is the pressure of North Star that has helped me to see more clearly what I place value in. And this is true. Pressure often does cause us to see, hey, this is actually what's really important. It brings clarity to our lives. And one last example. I've benefited from the pressure of North Star by facing my fears, both in reading things that I thought were above my knowledge and understanding and speaking in front of others. I've learned to pray before each task that God would reveal what it is, uh, what is in his will for me and to give me the courage to talk to large groups. Even with slip-ups, I know I will continuously learn and grow. I will never stop growing. I'm with you on this one, Helen. The fear of uh, public speaking was crippling for me for a lot of years, and it actually kept me from moving forward, and I missed out on a lot of opportunities. Eventually, God put his finger on me and squeezed me until uh, I was willing to just stay under the pressure, um, face my fears, and, and do public speaking. So I've given you these examples not to make a pitch for why you should join North Star, but actually just so you, that you can see, hey, enduring pressure is, can be a really good thing. Even when we walk into seasons that we think are impossible, God can really grow us and stretch us as a result. Here's one last way that you might consider remaining under pressure, and that's to cultivate a grateful heart. There's always going to be challenges and things not going well in some areas of life, but if we focus on being grateful for what's going well, rather than waiting for everything to be perfect, we're not going to be very content. But even in seasons that are um, especially squeezing, I can choose to focus on areas in my life that God is at work in. It reminds me of an incredible story by the life of um, Corey Tinboom. If you don't know much about her life, you can read about it in a book called The Hiding Place. She was uh, a Dutch lady who was instrumental in protecting over 800 Jewish refugees. And yet she was actually sold out by one of her own countrymen who uh, eventually caused her to be put in concentration camps where she was in solitary confinement, had to do backbreaking labor. And at one point she was so desperate and just angry at God and wanted to give up, um, she just was done. But her sister, who was going through the exact same scenario, exact same um, challenging situation, she had a different perspective. She viewed the situation that she was in actually as an opportunity to show Christ's love to some people that she may not have ever known otherwise. And what better opportunity to share Christ's love than at a, such a challenging um, environment? Do you remember what Jesus told the church in Philadelphia? He said that he would open a door that no one could shut. Well, these two ladies in this situation actually uh, had an open door of being able to do evangelism and share Christ's love. 
It was the motivation of Betsy to choose an attitude of gratitude no matter the situation. And during their final months of imprisonment at the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany, they actually were put in the situation, the bunker that was filled with fleas. Now, this was Corey's last straw. She was saying, I, I am already in such a bad situation, and now you put fleas in my, in my bed. And, and yet, um, her sister Betsy said, you know, we're going to thank God in all circumstances, even for something like fleas. And over the course of time, they actually had really a lot of opportunities to do ministry there. They were able to share the gospel, uh, lead people to the Lord, lead Bible studies, do worship services. And they were able to do all of that inside of their, uh, their bunker where they lived. And what was interesting is that the guards who normally were constantly hounding them and around them and harassing them, they actually left them alone in the, in their, where they slept. And for a while they couldn't understand why that was the case. And finally it dawned on them. God was actually protecting them from harassment and abuse. And basically they were free to do all this ministry because the guards did not want to be in the room with fleas. And so therefore God used something as annoying and pesky as a flea in order to create a space to where evangelism and ministry could really happen. Truly God can use any circumstances in our lives and we can choose to be grateful no matter what, even fleas. So as we take a look at at some of these examples from the Church of Smyrna and Philadelphia, we see God placing a high value on a willingness to suffer hardship and not to wiggle out from underneath pressure. So I want you to take a moment now and think about an area of your own life where maybe you're experiencing some pressure. And just think about it for a second and maybe, maybe give it a name. Maybe give it a label. What is that specific thing in your life that's causing pressure? Next, I'd like you to take um, and just... Think about which of these areas would be most helpful for you right now. Maybe in order to stay under the pressure, you need to just reject fear. Maybe you need to choose a a godly perspective. Perhaps you need to reach out and get community support. Or you need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. So just take a moment now and just think about which of those areas God may may be teaching you or helping you in. Finally, ask God to give you specific help and pray in order to be able to deal with the pressure that you're facing. Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the examples throughout your word, and even the examples of history of people that have walked through just really challenging seasons that have caused pressure and difficulties, and yet they chose to hang in there, not because it was easy um, or because they were particularly strong people, but because they put their hope in you. So now, Lord, we pray that in the season of life that we're in, whether we're in a season that's hard or, or not, Lord, we pray that you would guide us and direct us and give us the encouragement and the help that we need in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.